That's a sensitive topic of conversation. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, tough. You know? But we're here. I'm, I'm still looking for Sally May, so <laughs> no, <right>. when somebody <laughs> find Sally May, tell Sally May of bringing the smoke. <laughs> so speaking of, speaking of Sally May loans and a little bit of stress behind it, right? Yeah. Um, I wanted to give you guys a nice introduction to who I brought on today. Um, we'll start with Free. Freedom is one of those individuals I came. I was supporting a friend of mine, and I just... He told me he was there for his cousin. Cousin performed spoken word, and I fell in love. I was like, this girl is amazing. Um, and then that was a couple years ago, and it's been quite some time. So, yeah. um, you know, Freedom is out there doing really good work. If you want to introduce yourself and give yes. him a proper. Yeah. So my name is Free. I love, you know, respect to Freedom. A lot of people do that because my Instagram is, you know, free underscore D-O-M. So it does say Freedom. Um, but now they're starting to put me on bills as Freedom, and mm. my name is is free, P-H-R-E-E. -E. Um, but yeah, uh, what was the question? No, just introduce yourself. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah um, free. Free I is do, a proper name me. for you. Yeah, yeah. I, do, I do a lot of things, but um, spoken word artist, I guess, because, you know, society will also force you to box yourself sometimes. And so right now, um, spoken word is what's giving me life in a lot of ways um but i'm looking to branch that into other things um I, I will name that i'm the founder of boys and bullshit which is an organization for masculine centered queer people of color um and it is um designed to be a healing space um for us and like that, uh needing to reshape masculinity um in a lot of ways especially to like in queer relationships, um, be it platonic, whatever, and with self, and with self, um, just in the community, in the queer community in general. And that's the community I can speak to because um, I identify as queer. So um, so I'm, I, I created a space for that um, at the beginning of the year, so I do that. And yeah. Appreciate you I'm coming in the process on. of doing other things, but thank you for having Absolutely. me. I appreciate, appreciate this conversation. Appreciate it. And D-Ruff, man. D-Ruff is another spoken word artist. Yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. I, I, I try to jump on and learn a lot about you. I see you're a host as well. So yes. Spoken words, you're a host. Yes. Um, got a good personality. Uh, comical as well. And, and, and also <laughs> deep. You're a deep thinker with some, with some, with some, you know, some, some fun behind it. So if you want to introduce yourself, what are you up to these days? Um, hey, um, I'm D-Ruff. Um, D period R-U-F. F. Um, and um, yes, I am a spoken word artist. I have been a co-host of the If You Can Feel It, You, you Can, can speak, speak It. Open, open mic for the last 10 years. Oh, That's man. a long time. Yeah, yeah we just Thursday. celebrated our 10 years. Yeah, yeah, can we give it up for 10 years? Man? Yeah, man. Give it up for 10 years, man. That's a long time. Super dope, super dope. Yeah, man. And um, recently I became um, creative director of a program called Boston Pulse Poetry, mm -hmm. which brings in uh, spoken word to black and brown children in inner city schools or inner city Boston for us. Um, and gives them and provides them with self um, self-identifying poetry. Or if they aren't feeling poetry and spoken word isn't their thing, we try to find whatever art and craft is their voice and help them to amplify it. No, so. so, so thank you for coming on. We appreciate you for being here. Thank you. Really thank do. You. This so, is dope. Absolutely. So when I reached out to you guys, you know, I think the conversation was, you know, like mental health, 
Um, you know, I've been through a lot recently and I know I was able to relate. I know you've been through some stuff and you've been through some stuff too. So it's more about just understanding how we can have that dialogue and get that out there for other people that may be going through it, what you guys have done. So I want to be able to learn from you guys, personal mm -hmm. stories, <clears throat> kind of deep dive into what mental health is and maybe what resources are out there that can really help us. So um, we'll get straight into it. Um, <clears throat> I'll talk about what's the causes of mental health. Mm -hmm. And then we can kind of relate it to how it affected you personally. So what, some of the causes for mental health is child abuse, trauma, neglect, social isolation, uh, loneliness, discrimination, and stigma, social disadvantage, poverty, debt, which is why debt is a big part of it. Uh, we have social disadvantage, long-term stress, long-term physical health condition, losing someone, bereavement, uh, unemployment, losing your job. That's, you know, that's a big topic these days. Mm -hmm. um, homelessness and then drug, alcohol, and abuse. So based off of those, I know you guys can have experienced it in some form. So we can start with you, Free. What is some of those times that you feel like some of those have affected you? And kind of like walk us through your, your story. Mm. <laughs> D, D, way to start. Oh, <coughs> Excuse me. Um, whoa. So, I mean, that's broad, right? So for Cause... me, it was for me, like one, one that touched me really was uh, the losing of a job. Like I wasn't working in banking for a long time. I made the transition. I was kind of in limbo. I was like, you know, that was kind of a stressful moment. So for me, for you guys would be like, I don't, I don't know which one of those resonated the most, but that's mm -hmm. what resonated me right away because it was kind of a tough transition period. Well, um, so in my poetry, I talk a lot about intergenerational trauma and like, you know, trauma within, um, you know, from generations. It's, it's, stem, it's systemic, right, in its root, um, but like definitely, you know, curates itself within family dynamics, um, cultural upbringings um, and things like that. And there's a lot of ways that I've experienced trauma within my home as a child. Um, a lot of physical, emotional, psychological abuse, um, abandonment being a huge deal, a, a huge thing. Um, you know, my father wasn't very present, or rather when he was present, it was very inconsistent, which created an unhealthy dynamic there. Um, so I'm, you know, it's interesting, you know, of course I've suffered, you know, I've lost a job and I've been broke all my life and like <laughs> I you know we were just talking about debt and like you know loans and I that kind of hit you real quick too Sally you know, May hit you yeah because yeah. I'm like you know a lot in debt we'll <laughs> you know see. I got a bachelor's degree because you know society well, shout out to your bachelor's thank, degree. thank you um, yeah, shout that out right mm -hmm. even throughout the thank trauma you. even throughout debt you still might find a way mm -hmm. to get your bachelor's so yeah not for nothing that. it was just my mom was super militant and super you know struck you know traditional in a lot of ways and that thing you had to do was get that paper that was the thing you had to do Absolutely. and so like yeah. and not for nothing it saved me in a lot of ways it gave me something to focus on um when everything else was falling apart i lived on my own so i was 17 years old oh. so i went through college you know by myself like you know on my own um and you know, having to balance that and, you know, so stress definitely, and it put me in debt. Um, and it definitely, I'm still, you know, currently relieving that stress. But um, I think what's more recent for me coming up when we talk about mental health or we talk about mental illness, we talk about things maybe later on, I know there's some notes about 
things we'll get into about disorders and all those things. But there are some things that I'm picking through. Um, you know, I'm currently also in the process of writing a book called The Art of Un Unpacking from the Inside Out. Um, and a couple of years ago, I started to write that book. And it was, you know, given the idea that, like, we, we all come with baggage, right? In life, like, we come from some childhood, something, or Absolutely. through life, period, even if it didn't, you had the perfect childhood. But, like, in some dynamic, you have carried some, some baggage with you. Um, even through relationships with other people. And I think that individually, you know, it became important for me to unpack my own stuff. Um, and Can you walk me through that, kind of like the unpacking process? Like, how did you unpack or what did you start? What does that even look like? Because, I mean, I don't even... I mean, excuse my language, but fucking up. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> you know, yeah. hurting people. Um, hurting people I love because, you know... Mm. Um, y when you don't deal with your shit, you know, um, that becomes toxic for other relationships and other people that you interact with, and you become that person that has hurt you, that has abandoned you, that has, you know, fed you trauma, you become that person if you don't deal with it, and, you know, that becomes reciprocal, mm. you know, and that became reciprocal for me in my relationships, platonic and romantic, um, especially with my relationship with women. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and being masculine of center and what that was like, you know, and what that is like in those dynamics of masculinity and femininity and the roles we take on and gender role. We could get into a whole bag of that, which we're not going to touch, but like that brings mm -hmm. on a lot of you know, the way society shapes masculinity and the ways we carry ourselves and the ways that we take from maybe the men that we've learned from in our lives, you know, and that be toxic. If we don't see healthy relationships or healthy patterns, then all we can give is the stuff we know. And um, it took me really like up until recently, you know, to, to really get hit on the head because I'm a lover at heart, you know. I love love. I love love. And it's hard when I kept saying that out loud, like, I love, I love love. I want to love. Like, I want to, I want to get married. I want to have children. I want to be a parent. Like, mm -hmm. how do you do that? You know, my, my, my whole view on love and what I knew to be love was screwed up. Absolutely. And so it took, like, really losing everything that I love and it really hurting me in that way to be, like, something... I gotta figure this out. Absolutely. You know, and then you start addressing shit, the shit that is hard to face, and I, you face that shit head on. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're used to doing it a certain way. You've been kind of like handling all your issues on your own, like going through college, fires, putting them on yourself, just understanding like you've been out there just handling it. And then when these things come back to fruition, you're like, wait a minute, like this is actually a real issue that I've never actually dealt with. Because I've been in the, in the trenches, just working my ass off, so I never thought about it coming back and I think that's where it comes back and so because yeah. we don't ever really put it yeah. away and don't get me wrong I have a community like I have people I have village like you know I've known D since I was 16 years old you know what I'm saying and like he's been super but he's family at this point he's, he's super yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, I've had one of the toughest years this last year and, and my man has been my rock you know for the last year like I literally am alive today because of this man in a lot of ways and so um it's not just for you doing this on your own, but like, you know, 
I think that it's necessary you just have this conversation to understand how important it is to not be by yourself mm -hmm. and to really reach for people that, you know, want to love you. And I struggled with that for a long time. You know, in my family dynamics, I was raised where my mother, my sister, and me were the only people I was like, my mother was like, you can only trust us and nobody else and mm -hmm. that's it. And like, so you grow up with this like, who, what, nah, right. skirt, skirt, skirt. Right. And I got people right. that are like, actually, I want to love on you and I want to nurture you and I want to feed you knowledge. And I'm like, I can't, that's bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. and then I'm running home to, to say something and like, really, to be honest, and I say these, these things openly because this is very, an open part of who I am, you know, in my art. Um, but like, and my mom is very present in my art too. Like, she comes to all my shows, shout out to my mom. Um, she was there when I met you. Yeah. She, yeah. Before, yeah, so she so knows she like there. that these are things that I'm going to be talking about and that I have been talking about. Um, but like, that's some, uh, you know, my mom was very abusive, you yeah. know, physically and, and verbally and emotionally. Me and my sister experienced a lot of trauma with my mom. And, you know, with it just being us three and her being like, you know, can you imagine being like, I love you, I love you. I'm a, you know, violate you in these ways because my mom's hurt because she's in her experience with infidelity and her relationship and toxic relationship she had with my father that I saw as a child like that was the relationships I was you know like ex experiencing and like pulling from and at one point I was a daddy's girl like I so I absorbed everything my father you know what I'm saying and I used to watch my mom. Like, I just saw a lot of things that was really traumatic for a young person at six and at seven and experiencing, you know, those things. Um, so, yeah, and that's what led me to, like, my poetry and, like, writing this book and that you said, you know, going back to the steps you take to unpack, like, or what that means, you know. And for me, in my experience, what I did with that was say, this is coming out creatively, right? It just naturally came out where I started writing poems. Like, I started thinking of things. I started to, like, really sit with stuff, and I started writing, right? What am I going to do with this? I got to, this is energy. This is yeah. experience. This yeah. is stories. Like, what am I going to do with this? And I was like, I'm going to start performing this. I'm just going to say it out loud. Like, I'm just going to, and I started performing it. I started writing my book, and, like, that was a form of healing for me in therapy. You know, and I didn't realize that I would then become like an artist because of it. Like it didn't start as me wanting to be an artist. It started as me like searching for a voice, you know, searching for a place to get it out. Yeah. So is that you guys is like mean, like how you guys got attracted to each other and like that chemistry and that energy? Or is that how did you how did you be able to like formulate that relationship? into where you are today, D. Like, how did you, where did, uh, the, where did the relationship come from for you? Um, between Free and I, that the, the relationship has been, like, we've always had, like, us. Like, we've always had the art. Um, and, yeah, to an extent, like, yeah, that cemented us. Like, an our relationship, the hard times. Like, I think that's with anybody's friendship. Hard times really defines whether or not someone's your friend or their mm. associate or Absolutely. they're your family. Mm. Um, and so that's what, you know, really showed that we, we cemented us as family. Um, for me... So there's some relatable things as well. So what was, yeah. like, relatable? Like, what did you kind of go through that? Like, um, 
experience that
Um, but at 30, like, it really started to settle in. Like, all right, well, all right, if I do go and talk to somebody, like, who do I talk to? Um, and when I did go, the first time I went was How did you study. find that person? Ah, this is, and that's what I was about to Good, get into. Cool, wanna... So, like, first, uh, somebody sent me um, a website. Um, sent me, somebody sent me a website, which was to uh, a study, um, which was a depression study. So I went, I signed up for it, went, da 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 da. Uh, when I went, I was self-medicating, I'm still self-medicating, you know, smoking my weed, whatever. Um, so I went in and one of the questions is like, are you self-medicating? Yes. How often do you self-medicate? Mm. Do you really want to know the truth <laughs> on this answer? So I told him a fraction of that, which is three times. Not at the time, I'm doing this way more than that. But we'll just tell him three times. So I tell them that, and when I get into the office with this older white guy that looks like Colonel Sanders, um, I, no I said, yo, like, yo, once he, I saw this guy, I was like, this is not going to be good at all. Um, so, like, not only did he tell me that I had depression, but, like, he started to question why was I doing all the things that I was doing after he already said that I had depression. It was like. You already have the answer to that. Mm. You already know why I'm here. Mm. You already know why I'm smoking. You already know why I'm not look like why. Why do you keep asking all these questions? So yeah. and, and I understood it was a study. Understood this was just to assess whether or not I could take the new drug that they wanted me to take. Mm. I didn't necessarily want to take the drug in the first place, but I would, at least would think as a psych as a licensed psychologist you would try to tell me something like a little bit not nicer but like in softer words yeah yeah um so like Delivery because the yeah because the approach wasn't it was a little bit too harsh for me i was like i i knew from that point on that i was gonna look for somebody that looked like me somebody that understood my um my environment someone that went through not exactly everything that i went through but understood what i was going through or at least went through some of those things so um, I then looked for, uh, somebody then sent me um, a list of therapists, and then I looked through them, um, and then I found this guy named um, Charles Daniels, who, uh, who is the co-founder of this place called Father's Uplift, which is not strictly, a, well, it's support for fathers, but not strictly for just fathers of color. Um, and so they help all fathers, even fathers that are incarcerated when they first get out, they make sure they give them a bag, help them to get work, help them to really find living spaces, like help them to live a sustainable life to help them maintain a relationship with their children. Okay. Um, and so they That's also- That's super dope, by the way. I, didn't, yeah. I never heard of this organization. What we'll do is after, when we put it out, I'll make sure we get that link, we can share the link for other people that want to be able to find that similar support. Yeah, dude, for sure. because that, that it's helped me incredibly. Um, for the last year that I've been there, like I, I've turned up, like I've been able to not only like write new and deeper poems <laughs> and more raw and vulnerable poems, but um, I've also been in like the relationships that I've been able to have with people, the, the um, way that I feel about myself has, has changed and the way that I'm able to think things through um, mm. has changed. So it's been, it's been like valuable to me, so. It's been great. That's what's up. That's what's up. And I appreciate it because even myself, I've had similar experiences. I like the way you found your therapist because myself was just like, I'm calling my provider. <laughs> he gave me a book like of like 30 pages. I'm just like, okay, where do I start? 
And I, I found somebody I really so I was benefited. I found somebody that I enjoy. And, but you know, I think there's other avenues as well. So that's an yeah. avenue. I went through my health provider. Man, I'm like, I want a queer, black <laughs> specialist yeah. in this particular See, thing. <laughs> they're like, nah, sis, I don't want, they're, they're not out here. Yeah, but there's a lot of people that want the same. So what did you do? Yeah. Now, before we move forward, I got a question from the side. As you guys have gone through these therapy sessions and have realized how much you needed it, mm -hmm. have you seen people that you're like, damn, you're in that space before I had therapy. You need to talk mm. to someone. person to um, jump on the hey you're where I used to be so you should do what I did mm -hmm. because that's not necessarily everybody's steps um, and that's unfair to do that to them I can advocate for therapy and advocate for the way that I approached it um, because I didn't go there to fix anything I went there to have a better understanding of myself and therefore be able to adjust therefore to be confident in the way that I am and, and bring myself, be present to the world and to my community as I am. Mm -hmm. um, and so I haven't done that, but the way that I speak to folks isn't as if I am all-knowing. I speak as I am understanding, I allow everyone, and Free can most likely uh, speak on the behalf of somebody that's asked me questions before where I don't, I'm not trying, I don't try to act like I know better. I just try to understand what's going on and try to see, try to help what's the best in the situation or what's best for that person. Um, I think it's a great point because I, I like your approach to it. Um, my approach was a little different. I'm like, yo, this dude is amazing. I need you to try. I need you to try. I need you to try, right? Because I was so excited, right? Because I say, like, I'm, we're in a you know biased world. There's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of, like, you walk into a room, you know how you already feel, right? So it's like... That, I went in and there was no judgment. There was no bias. I was just able to just tell him what I want. It's funny because like he'll talk, and I'm like, you know what? No, no, no. Let me take over. You know, I could do that. Like I could just take over and let it out. And then sometimes I'm, I'll be reserved. I'm like, you know what? Is your, I need to get it from you, right? So it's like I was so excited. So I was like, I need to share this with the world. And so, but that may not be the right approach. I think more than anything, it's just being able to share your experiences. If somebody's like, yo, you sound like, you know, like you got it put together. I give credit to the community behind me, right? Mm -hmm. The friends and family, the mother, mm -hmm. the the brothers. I mean, I got brothers that I love to, you know, and I got so many family members. So it's like I get to give the credit to mm -hmm. the ones that really supported me and got me to where I'm at today. Mm -hmm. Makes sense? Yeah. yeah. So for you, how about you? How wrong with like shouting it to the world if you have a great experience with something that like was helpful to you because right. you then become a resource for someone that maybe doesn't necessarily have enough courage to say they need help. And so mm. by you shouting it out, it's like, whoa, I, I'm not gonna tell you I need it, but I heard you. And so I'm, I'm gonna try to figure out what that, well, if you feel this good, like I wanna know what that feels yeah, like. Right, right. So maybe I could explore this, you know, and it, create, it opens the door um, for some like, you know, so exploration. How are you, doing? how are you doing it? Are you doing it through, through poetry? Or are you doing it through, like how do you express um, what you're working on? Ooh. Uh, the first time I chose to go to therapy on my own free will. Um, well, let's go back to the original. How did you find the person? Because I know you had, like, you know, kind of like your, your checkpoints, your checkboxes, right? So how did you find 
Or are you still finding where are you are now? Well, the process? key is free will. So I've been going to therapy since I was about six years old, four years old. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So as an adult, I shy away from therapy because of that. Um, and, you know. Was it a rough, rough, it was rough in the beginning, meaning the person didn't quite understand um, it was just kind of forced. I mean, imagine yeah. living your childhood, you know, this is what your household looked like. And then you got to spend time talking to this white lady about yeah, like what am I talking to you about at three years old? And then we gotta talk about how my parents is fighting, and I don't know what the heck's going on. But you're giving me these blocks to play with, and I'm like sitting in the middle of the floor talking. Like, what do you do at five or six? You don't know. But that's but I think not even too soon. It gave me an experience, but like, was it conducive? Did I get something out of it? No, it taught me a lot about how therapy works. And then I was yeah. like, every time I go to therapy, I'd be like, all right, I know you're going to ask me this question. I'm going to have to talk about this again. I'm just going to tell you about this. because, And then let your insurance not cover that. And you got to find somebody else. Guess what? You got to start that story all over again. Okay, so then when I was five and then I was, and it, it became a very repetitive thing at 16. It was mandatory. I had to go through anger management therapy and whatever, and, you know, and all this other stuff. And as an adult, um, at the particular time that I chose willingly to find a therapist. I did it through my insurance at the time. I was working in a job that I had and provided me the insurance and I got into my network and it was a, I asked for a black woman and I went, you know, just like, oh, well, that was my criteria, right? Someone was black who accepted queer people and whatever. And so I went and it was cool, I guess. It gave me somebody to talk to. But I didn't feel, I don't feel challenged. I don't feel, pushed in a way that um you know these days in my life I, I'm in need of like more mm. currently where I am today I'm seeking you know something more more advanced um mm. you know cognitive therapy is great cognitive behavioral therapy is great I'm looking you know there's another one called dialectical behavioral therapy okay. um, which is more specific uh, or a difference a different training it's a different tool uh, if you will um but like you know, expensive as hell. You know what I'm saying? If you don't have insurance and like, I got the number. Can I share the number real yeah, quick? Please. The number for depression and getting support for it: seven thousand dollars for eight days of care. Eight days, fam. Eight days of thirty years of trauma. <laughs> like, do the math. Like, how much you want me to? <laughs> it's eight, wild. Eight days, and that's like an hour per session. Yeah, and then when you graduate college, six days later, you got a bill for $700 to pay back your loan. Like, wait, <laughs> I ain't even got a job yet. What you mean? Take the money to pay off the student Yo, loan. I, I, I graduated I'm in 2012. I swear to you, my college still calls me for donations. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> like I'm still working on this me. last payment. You're talking about giving you more. Yeah, yeah. Like, because I'm not paying them. They got their bread, you yeah. know? Like, the loan people are the ones that are like, I need my bread. The school, like, we paid. Can you give us more money? We like, hey, so. You give me money. Like, <laughs> I got one. I got one. Like, no, but my school. Give me back got, my money. How about my that? My school got bought out by another school. Why is the other school calling me for the money that I I'm owe? done. See? <laughs> they trying to go after everybody. Yo, like, that's crazy. That's, Yo, that's, like, that's legit like a credit agency, man. That's what they do is like if you owe, if you owe on that couch from IKEA two grand and you don't pay it, they end up selling it to another creditor and yeah. then they start calling you. So it's like creditors, man. They're like sharks in the water. That's wild. Yeah. Did you go to AI? Uh huh. Yeah. Mm -mm. <laughs> uh, the other schools that got bought. Yeah. <laughs>
So just speaking about the barriers, right? Because I, I think part of this is, is removing the stigma behind getting support, right? And I think that's important. And you speak about how you were younger, free, and you needed behavior management. But when I saw you today, love, love. <laughs> I think um, came through and showed everybody love, gave everybody a hug. It wasn't even just that. It was like, like you met somebody and you knew there was good energy and you mm. just like, Yo, let me get a hug. You mm. know what I'm trying to say? And I love that. Mm. I think that's that's contagious, but that's a lot of like from behavior. Like, cause now I'm I'm even doubting the fact that you even needed it, right? I'm thinking I'm thinking mm. like there's probably a different way of getting to you, right? Mm. And kind of supporting you at that time, but it mm. wasn't through behavior management because it almost seems like you were a loving person. Mm. Just me not be able to see it. So how how did that happen? How did you go from like? Well, love is within you, first of all. Like you know, love is love. that's a you spiritual, love like love. <laughs> energetic, like thing. And I think like, and I'm a cancer, not for nothing. Gang, gang, cancer, gang. <laughs> and you know, now I just I love love. I just do, and I'm not afraid of that. And um. I think that that doesn't take away from the ways I need to heal and the ways that I can be toxic, you know what I'm saying? Or the ways that I've been toxic, that doesn't take away from me wanting love, like to, to love, like I, you know. Um, I think that if we can continue to remember love, you know, in, in very tough moments, that's important. Tough you know, to always lead with love um, first, you know, with people that, you, in general, like it should be a human thing. Like mm -hmm. human interactions and energy exchanges are so necessary for us as humans. Like people forget that. And so, like, I think energy and love transference is important just to, you know, when we talk about unification and we talk about how are we going to change these systems and have these conversations, well, like, Let's come from a place of like, mm. you know, and that means like me not going on podcasts or seeing podcasts <laughs> that talk about still in 2019, you know, homophobic things that, mm. you know, you support, you know, the, the artist that comes on your platform, but got, but super homophobic, like, wait, what? Where's the love? <laughs> Especially uh, in this day and age, yeah. like, where does that... Um, and I think that, yeah, that's why I'm so like, but that doesn't, that doesn't take away from the stuff I need to work on, you know, um, the things that I do carry and the ways that I've hurt people and mm. relationships that I've been in. And I think that accountability is a real thing. And I've been facing that a lot recently. And um, I got to figure that out. That's my job and my responsibility. I think, you know, we're all trying to figure it out. You know what I mean? And it just... I, I tip my hat to you for, for sharing your story and everything you've been going through because I think, again, Appreciate there's people it. out there that could really learn from this. And, you know, that's why we're not like other podcasts because we really want to be able to help the next person. Even myself, my family, I have children, I have three girls. Like, they've had conversations. We spoke about sex at a very early age. We spoke about, you know, if you want to, you know, be a lesbian or not, that's totally up to you. I would never, you know, <clears throat> you know, tell them what to do. I mean, I'm just there to support them, give them answers, and, and just kind of guide them in, in whatever direction they want to go in. So I just think that, you know, we can all learn from each other. And whatever you're going through, we're here for you as well, for sure. Appreciate and that. And whatever we can do to help, for sure. Nice. I'm going to transition a little bit because there's a lot of numbers that I wanted to share with everybody on the, on, on the podcast today. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about, I'm going to talk about these numbers and then I'm going to ask about what resonates numbers. the most from these numbers, right? Numbers. So 
from the American Psychology, Psychological Alliance, they're saying that 71 billion, the amount spent to treat depressive disorders, the most costly amongst disorders, six most costly behind diabetes, 104 billion. Heart disease is at 81 billion. Back and neck pain is at 76, pain, 76 billion. Uh, so it's so bad right now that mental illness will cost the world $16 trillion by 2030. Makes sense. Ah, yeah. It's not enough people doing the work. We spoke themselves. with that about that earlier. Well, how do you fix it if people ain't trying to fix themselves? You can't, I can't pay for to fix you. I don't mm. care how much money you put into the business. It doesn't matter. If I'm not willing to fix me, it's like not, your money is not going to pay for my treatment. Like it's not going to, or I could pay for treatment, right? I could show up to therapy. Yeah, I'm doing the work. I'm showing up. But like, are you? you? Like somebody wise told me that doing the work means in the moment, right? Showing up in the moment. So like if my thing is rage, if I have a problem with my temper, right? In a moment of conflict, when I get overwhelmed emotionally, like my work is how do I operate in that moment of mm. being overwhelmed and whatever. Like, so yeah, you've gone anger management, whatever, but like, are you using the tools you got from anger management to work them in this moment? You know what I'm saying? And it took me a long time to go into this and that and the third. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing the work. And it's like, nah, because when things shit hit the fan, hit the fan yeah. I'm yeah. like, yeah. Um, yeah, so you gotta revisit that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, but that, that's self stuff. That's revisiting yourself and like your own, you know, mental. Because they mentioned that earlier. They said there's, there's a couple of barriers in there. There's a lack of awareness, lack of access to free care or care, mm -hmm. and there's a stigma behind it. So <laughs> yeah, that's facts. The one. Hell yeah. So talk about that. Um, yeah. That, I think that's the one. That, I mean, Which because one, the, that's stigma the, the stigma is the one. Uh, because if you don't, if you either don't see somebody getting help or there's always the, okay, so there's, for the, for the fellas, you don't want to actually necessarily act like a bitch. You want to, you don't want to be a pussy. Mm -hmm. You don't, yeah. you don't. You know what I'm saying? I'm and too tall. Like, I handle all these problems on my own. I never needed nobody. Like, she just, she just. <laughs> I know, like that's and that, but those are the things that do get said. Like that's what gets said, and those those are certain. Problems, those are the things that when they get said, like certain people react I, to them differently. I guess what he's saying is also, you know, he the recognizes people how the people are dressing. Think that way. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely, still, like, 100%. oh, if you're, you know, mommy, you cry, I cry, I cry, and like. It's okay to try. I'm a big advocate of tears. Mm. I am. And, you know, people look at me like being masculine in the center, like, oh, nah, you, you're not supposed to cry because then you, you weak. The, you know, what's equal to tears and vulnerability, you know, in masculinity, within masculinity, um, is, is equated to weakness all the time. So it's time like, to change the narrative. If hell, anything, being yeah. able to shed tears shows a sign of strength. You know strength. how powerful it is to yeah. be able to be like, yo, I'm hurt. <laughs> Identify the feeling. Yeah. Be like, yo, I'm hurt and I need to get this out. Grieve. Yeah. You know? You to know? Really Even if it's not that. a personal death like a, of a body, but there's there are things you need to grieve in your life that don't have to be of another person yeah. or it is of a, another 
person or relationship or or the little person inside of you or some parts of yourself that you need to let go of like those are real things well i mean that's why we're here right so so do you spoke about the perceptions that people's had you spoke about how we got to change the narrative and that's really literally the the fabric of today's conversation is to be able to change that narrative and be able to understand what is real strength what is like what what can you really do to support yourself and how important that is rather than neglecting and, and being super masculine and saying we don't need those things when we're here to sit here today and say like nah there's nothing wrong with these things right we can get help we can get support we can make sure we get strong we can unpack we can you know develop as individuals and we shouldn't be judged for that this is just part of our process right mm-hmm. so Got some more numbers for fun because that, that last one was good. <laughs> I got the National Alliance on Mental Illness. 2018, 19.1%, we'll just say 20% of adults have experienced mental illness. 47.6 million people, so one in every five people you meet has experienced mental health uh, illness of some sort. In the youth, 16.5%. That's six ages sixes through seventeen. That's seven point seven million. Forty-three uh, percent has received treatment. So there's another fifty percent out. Fifty-seven percent out there that's not receiving treatment, and it's fifty percent of youth that are absolutely getting hit with some of these illnesses. And that's even from everybody that you know. I that, think those numbers are short. Yeah, like short. because that's Explain, because please. because One those out of only five for people. Those are only for people that actually speak that's out about wide. it. I think you can narrow that in. Like I think more. One out of three. One out of three. But it takes a second because people have to be able to actually, you know. To identify it and, like, when it is identified and, like, how is it identified and, like, people don't know that they are walking around with. I mean, come on. One out of three of us, PTSD is a real thing. It's a mental, it's, it, it yeah. is. No, 100%. Okay? 100%. And guess what? Black people. If we live in the hood. That's generational too. Like y'all don't get it. Generational PTSD. Facts is what I'm saying. Like we are definitely all in here suffering from some form of like PTSD in some regard. Like that number is is really low in those stats. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But we spoke about those are the individuals that came out. Yeah, that don't report it. Don't don't speak. That don't don't exist under. Right. So if we, in our belief, if people spoke about it more, it would be. Possibly more towards one out of three. It'd probably a lot higher. I wouldn't you be surprised think you could if put it was a number half. on that, bro. Like, <laughs> it would probably be a half. Now we start, we like, start rebirthing. You know, we have children. We learn what healthy love is and healthy nourishment and self-care and self-stuff. You know, you want to birth families or if you already have a family, bring that back to your family so that that way that those those systems that we learned like growing up, we got to bring that back home. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to bring that back home. I do that, you know. In, in conversations with the people that, even the people that have hurt you in your life that are family, yeah. you know, a lot of the, the, the people that loved you the most and the closest to you are the ones that are gonna hurt you. Mm. That's a fact, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of us hold a lot of pain from families and, and family dynamics and close people to us. Um, and a lot of us have that like, throw it away mentality, like, well, F it, I ain't gonna deal with it. like. Right. But, but hurt from it and won't say, like, oh, you hurt me, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I don't like that you did that. And, and it'd be a place of peace to have that conversation. And, you know, speaking from experience, like, I've never had the tools to be able to have those kind of conversations mm-hmm. in a healthy way where I felt like I could be like, hey, you hurt me. Like, I could never go to my mom and be like, hey, you hurt me. 
I did try that at 16, mandatory therapy. You tried to do a mom in four session. I was like, yeah, so, you know, when, when you hit me at six, whatever, that, she was like, I never hit you and walked out of the therapy mm. session. And I was just like, oh, well, <laughs> there's that. And to this day, I've never had a therapy session with my mom. Shout out to my mom again. We have recently decided to go back and, and explore strength. that. Hell super yeah. Dope. Super dope. My mom has, has done a lot of work, you know, you know, and we're trying to do a lot of work together to, to heal and mend that stuff, which is super important. I think it's super important. And again, I tip my hat because I know myself, my family knows I've had issues with, with my relationship with my mother. So, you know, maybe you school me right now and, and how to handle it, but it is what it is, but we'll work on it. And time. You talking yeah, about time yeah, and, and time. alignment and the way it works and like, and now, just to kind of touch on it even worse, like even more, the next step for me is, I got children, man. Like mm -hmm. I don't want generational, you know, passing over, right? So mm -hmm. I got to make sure my children are strong. So the stronger I am, and the and the more we learn from whatever history we've had, mm -hmm. the more I can better support my children and making sure they don't go through those same experiences. And I'm sure Deacon, yeah. relate with two sons. You spoke about that earlier. Yeah, that's, that's a big part of your motivation. Listen, that was it was a page. Well, it's a life changer. Um, so it's like peeling back layers um, mm. because it's um, first it's really peeling back enough to get back to the child to really, really focus on that because everything, at least from what I've experienced, everything is like layered on itself. So every part of your life, there's always something that spoils, something bad that happens that you end up healing over. But then there's another thing that happens that you heal. So there's still a constant layer of healing. But if, they, if I, for me, haven't addressed all that healing until I start peeling back all those layers. So for me, it had, I've had to peel back so many layers. Like, okay, from this relationship, from this relationship. So once I got down to the root and got down to the child part, which is where my sons are, mm -hmm. it's more so, okay, what do I have to address with my own father? And I've had the opportunity to talk to him. I've had the opportunity to shed tears with him. He's popped up on me very, like, out of the blue, um, like, two years ago. And it wasn't like, it's not like my father and I have not spoken. It's not like we, don't, we go years and years without speaking. We might go months, but it might not be years and years. Like, I, I do my best to try to um, talk to him, and I know he tries his best to talk to me. But that's one, he's the only person, he's one of the people, one of the first people that I've seen go through mental health issues. Um, and so seeing him and how he responded to it, it wasn't going to therapy, it was self-medicating and, and self-medicating didn't necessarily work when you do it in abundance and you take it out on. It's like a band-aid, right? Yeah, it's a bunch of band-aids, you're not really getting to the And room. then after a while, it starts to be a suicide wish. Like, you start to purposely overdo things. Mm. You start to purposely put yourself in harm's way. It's not a suicide, like, it's not a death wish, but, but it's like you put yourself in harm's way. Absolutely. I'm gonna, I want you to finish that thought, but I got more. My last piece of numbers, mm -hmm. because you, you touched on it, and that's the absolute last kind of you know piece I want to talk about. Um, I know we don't want to get too seriously involved in this one, but suicide is real. You know what I mean? It is real. It's the second leading cause of death amongst ages 10 through 34. 10 through 34? Yeah. God damn. Yeah. Since 2001, there's been an increase of 31% and 90% showed symptoms. Yeah. I mean, I've worked in... And that's it. 
I'm not going to work in, and I've worked with kids, so I can actually say, like, I've worked kids in, in residential care, and that was one of the things, like, and it's sad when it's, when it's a lot of black and brown kids that are in there that are doing, like, I'm not trying to exclude any other group, but I can only speak for well, me and mine, so, like, you know, yeah. that's what, that's what I know, and that's what I see, and I can understand why there, there is a lot of social pressures, there is a lot of family pressure. Social media things. did not help either. Though. Yeah, and social I mean, media just you can use it you know, for good, it but overdrive. if you use it for like negative then it's yeah, it just put it into overdrive. And so for me, um that's yeah, nah. I understand that entirely. Um because like it's not easy when you are expected to be at a certain place at a certain age. Um you're expected to be a certain person because you look a certain type of way. Um I, I'm <clears throat> I'm if I'm passing by um, blue eyes most times I look like a, I'm going to be selling weed to somebody mm. I know I you know of course I, I smoke but you know looking on looking at me that's the first thing everybody can say oh yeah you definitely smoke um, and but realizing that I have two kids realizing that I'm a spoken word artist like that's something like um, realizing that I am a, a director of a program, like that's not stuff that. Can I give a quick like, because because we talked about <laughs> that, um, because because even through all the BS, the bullshit, right? Um, you guys have found ways to still find yourselves and be successful, and that should be celebrated. Because um, yeah. I know that was a bit morbid, but I just want the people that are out there that sees a lot of difficulty directly in front of them that there's people out here that's been through those you know moments and they've been able to. To grow and, and push through, very difficult, but it's absolutely capable, right? And you guys are living examples of it. Rough passes, moments where you guys were like, "Oh, this is not working," but made the you know made the you know did whatever needed to be t t you know done, found the support that you needed, and then now you guys are here today to speak about it to support the next generation or the next you know group of people that want, that need that type of support. Definitely. So I just want to celebrate you guys for that as well. So can I do that one more time? Yeah. yeah. Um, so for me, this is my last way to plug you guys, right? So just to kind of like give you guys an opportunity to share what you guys are working on. I know you touched on it earlier and I know you touched on it, but do you guys want to kind of elaborate one more time on what you guys are working on moving forward so that people could like stay connected to you guys? Mm -hmm. Or you can follow me Instagram. Um, it's p h r e e underscore d o m. So freeze her name though. I apologize about that. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I just saw freedom. That's the dopest name ever. But it's Thank free. You. Sorry. But no, I have friends that call me freedom. Not know that like that's just their endearment. You okay. Know, thing and I and I welcome it. So I'm I not just, there yet. I just like we, no, no, no. You can say it, but like don't print it. But like don't print it on like a you know. Not yeah, you yeah, print yeah, it on a flyer. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I'm just saying Phrasing it for the world. Like gotcha. print it. It's been printed on flyers. It would be like freedom and like. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, follow me there. Um, and yeah, I I did take a little break from I was talking about this earlier um, from boy, from the collective um, because it is super important that like you know dealing with my mental health yeah. right now yeah. and, and like trying to nourish myself and you can't pour from an empty cup. I love that you can't you pour know? from an empty cup. Yeah, and so I've got to fill myself and like you know come back you know to it. Um, and like yeah so i'm working on it it is coming back january 2020 um we yeah. will be 
you know, holding another space, another meetup for that. Um, still don't speak it, but I'll let you. Hey. <laughs> and we got some words, things work in 2020. 2020 is going to be a big year. Um, oh, a big year. Um, got a lot of things I'm working on, on the low. Um, yes. But we'll... <laughs> um, and you can find me D underscore R-U-F-F-3 on IG and Twitter. Um, and yeah, uh, December 7th, uh, soiree, another mm -hmm. installment. Uh, don't ask me where it is. I don't know yet. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, it's, it's hap it is happening December 7th. Um, I believe it's six to nine, I believe, but you should be able to see that um, on, you'll see that on my IG or on my Twitter very soon. Um, other than that, every second Thursday of the month, for the last 10 years, we've been at the Milky Way. So again, every second Thursday of the month, doesn't matter, rain, sleet, or snow, does not matter. We've been doing it consistently 10 years. You, can, you guys can meet us over at the Milky Way at the If You Can Feel It. You, you can, can speak it. <laughs> open, open mic. Um, just come on through and, and you know, we'll try to, it's, we'll try to show you all, new, all types of newbie love. <laughs> so, you know, on behalf of the Lifted team, I want to thank you guys for coming on. Thank I you. Know, thank you. Thank you. I know this subject was tough, so I appreciate it. Um, before I even thought of the idea, you know, like of having this type of conversation, I didn't know how to do it, where to go with it. I just felt like it needed to be done. Mm -hmm. And when I, and, and when I, you know, thought of free and all the work you've done, and I know you're a big part of the work that she does and you guys work together collectively. I didn't, I couldn't imagine doing it with anybody else. So for me, it's deeply appreciated. I think you guys agree that you guys would come on and speak on this. So I appreciate it. Um, I hope you guys continue to find success. Mm -hmm. I hope you guys kill it in spoken word. Thank you. And there is a treat for you guys. Um, <laughs> I had to pay her a whole lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> I had to pay her a whole lot of money. I had to pull personal connections. What up, P? Uh, <laughs> Shout out to my fam. My fam is in my life to do that. Yeah, of course, yeah, my man. My cousins came through. Yeah, my blood yeah. cousins came through. Shout out to y'all. I love y'all. Thank you for being here yeah. and supporting me. She came in and felt the love right away. She's yeah, like, okay, yeah, everybody's yeah, yeah. here. That's what's up. Um, but no, I appreciate it, P. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you for coming on. D, I know um, this was your first, you know, witnessing what Lyft is about. So hopefully, you know, yeah, you guys got something out of this experience. Yeah. Hopefully the next person that's watching this can get something out of the experience. And that to us is ultimately the goal is to be able to touch those individuals and let them know that the stigma is kind of BS. It's no just get the support mm -hmm. and we'll share, share some resources and links afterwards so they can see it. Hopefully they can come watch you guys perform. Definitely. And with all that money we had to put down, <laughs> they're gonna go ahead and perform for us today too. Yeah. So be on the lookout for that as well. So on behalf of the team, we appreciate you guys watching. Stay focused and stay lifted. Yeah.